BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today our topic is Overcoming Maintenance Pricing Fears. Joining us today is Jennifer Shishanian. Jennifer is BDR's service senior service coach and service trainer. She also leads a class on residential maintenance. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Matt. I'm excited to be here, and we're talking about something I'm really passionate about. So watch out. I've got lots to say. <laughs> well, I know you're very knowledgeable, and for our audience, I think a good start would if you could give us a little bit of your background um, and what you do at BDR in more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I'll start back a little bit further than that. I started in this industry in 1991, and I was working for a heating and air conditioning company out of Portland, Oregon, uh, Jacobs Heating and Air Conditioning, and worked for them about 13 years. Um, Then I joined BDR, I believe, in about 2003, and I was the first service coach that was hired, and we started building out our service coaching program. And so since then, we've uh, built the service coaching program out, and I am the senior service coach now and lead uh, many of our service training classes along with uh, some other trainers as well. And residential maintenance is just one of them. So I do coaching, uh, coach service departments anywhere from you know, one technician to the largest I coached was uh, 80 service technicians and work with dealers all across the country, all different shapes and sizes. So, um, and then, so that's about it. Looking forward to many years to come. Awesome. And and am I correct? I heard somewhere that some of your long-term clients may have some special nicknames for you um, just because they worked with you so long. Is that right? <laughs> They do. Some of them are repeatable and some of them aren't. <laughs> Fair enough. We, we won't, we'll leave that there, but um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're a core piece of, uh, of what BDR does and um, very important to our, our business. So, and Thank the perfect you. person to talk to about overcoming maintenance pricing fears. So I wanted to start our conversation just kind of, asking you, what are the typical fears that dealers face related to maintenance pricing? Well, there's basically just two that I would say. Um, One is if I raise my price, I won't be able to attract any new customers or I won't be competitive in my marketplace. Or the second one is if I raise my price on my existing memberships, I'm going to lose all my customers. Um, we know that that's not true. Um, we see that, you know, you will lose some customers as a result of price, but not nearly as much as what most people think, you know, usually 10 to 12% max, as long as you have a plan in place. Okay. And, and the upside, what, what's the upside if you can uh, price maintenance correctly? Well, it, there's a lot of upsides to that. One of the things that always concerns me about not pricing maintenance agreements properly or leading out with a lost leader, 
which basically a loss leader is, hey, I'm, I'm hoping to attract a new customer to um, our business with the service that we're offering in the hopes that I'm going to build a stronger customer base and secure future recurring revenue, right? So uh, they'll price it at below where they would make a profit. And so one of the challenges that uh, I always express behind that is if we price ourselves too low in the marketplace, we're conditioning uh, our new customers and our future clients to that everything that we're going to price is going to be low. And so that's one of my biggest concerns about not pricing them properly. But once we have a well-priced um, maintenance agreement program where we are profitable, it sets the service department up to generate enough gross profit dollars to cover the overheads for the entire company. So BDR, we call that SCORE service covers the overhead regularly for the entire company. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we price all of our services prof um, profitably. Okay, okay. Now, um, just for some perspective, it could, you know, you work with uh, dealers across the country. Could you put a percentage um, for the industry as a whole about how many dealers really are not pricing maintenance profitably? Well, I will use this from a training perspective. So when I lead a training class, I will say that 90% uh, or more in a training class have not priced their maintenance agreements to make a profit. Um, I wouldn't say that of the clients that we work with. We've helped them understand the cost and the, and the reasons why they need to price their maintenance agreements profitably properly. But in a training class, when we go through the exercises, you know, I will look at the different price structures and where dealers are at. And, and it's, um, it's disheartening. It's scary. Uh, but I'm, you know, that's one of the things of why we do what we do is to help them understand the cost and how they can have a profitable maintenance agreement program. So at least, you know, I, I would say at least 90% in a training class. Okay, well, so, uh, this could be a very timely uh, podcast episode for some folks if they're listening to, listening to this and, and maybe haven't made those adjustments yet. Mm -hmm. um, so let, let's talk a little bit about um, how we can get, say, the average dealer to that place where they understand, I, I, I can't keep moving forward with pricing um, my maintenance in a way that's not profitable because you're potentially losing money every time you go out and do something. How do you help them get over that mental hurdle? Well, one of the, I have a quote that I found, um, you know, a few years back, it's by Henry Ford. And it says, one of the greatest discoveries a man makes, one of his great surprises is to find he can do what he was afraid he couldn't do. And so I start out by helping them understand that many times our fears are a lot greater than our than our actual reality. And so first is really working on the belief system, right? Um, that we know maintenance is the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do for our customers. It's the right thing to do for the company as a whole. And it's the right thing to do for the team. And so getting them to realize that, you know, we offer a valuable service. 
and we should charge for it. You know, in a training class, oftentimes I'll say, okay, everybody raise your hand if you got into this business to be not for profit. <laughs> and then everybody kind of looks around and, and they're like, I'm like, oh, see all the hands that are up. And, <laughs> and so, you know, we'll, you know, we kind of laugh about that, but then, you know, I just try to appeal to them that, you know, in our, our philosophy at BDR is that we're in business to make a profit every day. And you didn't sign up to be um, a not-for-profit organization. So how do we how do we work through this? And there's a lot, I mean, maintenance pricing is the most emotional price point, I think, in service, because it's the price that that when they're when they're quoting it over the phone or they're talking about it or they're looking at others in the marketplace they think oh man that, this is this is where i need to be and um so it's really it's very emotional so the first thing is that you know really try to make sure that i help them understand hey maintenance, maintenance is essential and it's the right thing to do we offer a valuable service and and we need to charge for it um and I, you know, I also talk about, you know, when we owe it to our customers and we owe it to our team members to be profitable so that we're there to serve them in the future. So it's usually I'm, I'm trying to pull on some of that emotional side, like the reasons why. And then then we'll I'll start getting into, you know, let's start looking at the costs and then the realization of you know, as you go through, hey, look at your maintenance agreement pricing now. Now I'm going to let the money speak. Here's where you're at now. Here's how many, you know, how many agreements you have. How much money are you currently losing on your existing program? And then we start, you know, looking at how we develop a plan to fix that. I imagine that can be uh, painful for some owners when they start to see that number of how much money that they're they're actually losing. Yeah, it, it is true. And, and many are, you know, of the mindset that it's okay to lose money on maintenance that uh, because someday I'm going to get the replacement sale. But if you, you know, if you look through that, is that a good precedent to set? Will we get the maintenance sale or will we get the replacement sale just because we were a lower price on the maintenance. And as I mentioned earlier, if we've conditioned them to low price on the maintenance, mm -hmm. then what are they going to expect from us um, for replacing their equipment in the future? So really just building, building the value in, in what we do. Yeah, I really like that uh, point you just made about if we go in with a, a low price maintenance, it kind of sets the tone with that customer and, and it becomes um kind of a cultural thing for your company you know that that's how you're representing yourself out in the marketplace of well we're the the, the people who are inexpensive or cheap maybe <laughs> you know and uh it's really a transition to get to building the value um because i we know that the dealers that are out there they bring so much value to what they do, they almost don't realize it themselves. And is that something you have to help them unpack of like, wow, we actually do a lot of stuff with maintenance and there's a lot to it and it's and it's valuable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I like to do is actually ask dealers to do a, um, a team exercise 
uh, because if your team believes in the maintenance agreement program or your membership program, and you've created a culture that maintenance is essential, and we there's a focus on, we're not gonna let anybody through the door without hearing about our membership program. And if we stay focused there and we focus on the training with the team, the team will, will share the value by their confidence when um, customers are calling in and inquiring about maintenance by making sure we're offering it every single time and really understanding the value of that program. And so it really, uh, it takes belief, you know, it, it, by everyone that it's the right thing to do, not just for the customers, but for the company and, and the team. And so focusing on that training, one of the things I like to do, getting back to your point, is really kind of unbundle you know, what it is that we're doing. So I might, um, you know, ask the the owners to lead a session with their team uh, as to why do we do maintenance? And I'll break it up into three different categories. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, I put things through the acid test. Is it good for the client? Is it good for the team? And is it good for the company? If it's good for all three, it wins, right? So then I'll ask that, I always start out with, why do clients need maintenance? So, you know, getting a belief system there. So I'll have, I might start out with a few things like, okay, here's an example. It ensures the equipment is operating safely and at its peak efficiency. It provides proof that of annual maintenance uh, helps to protect the manufacturer warranties. That would be an example of a reason why a client would need it. Then I'll have another you know, discussion. Well, why is it important for the team? Well, we know it's important for the team because it helps to um, provide consistent work for the technicians installers, which in turn benefits the company as well, right? Because it weatherproofs the company because it builds out multiple revenue streams for both the service and the installation department. So I like to go through and say, hey, let's talk about why maintenance is important um, to help build that culture because now we've just put it through the acid test with the entire team. So that's one step in in that. So I'll bundle, I always end up unbundle why maintenance is important. And then they can actually take um, like their program benefits, such as their priority customer status, um, you know, the 24 hour emergency service and really go through and go, hey, what are some of the features of being on our membership program? And then how does that benefit the customer? Then I'll also ask them to do that same thing with the tasks. So let's say you've got, you know, checking the thermostat operation and the programming. Okay, well, what's the benefit of that? Well, the benefit of that is it helps improve their energy savings and the air quality in their home. So if you were going to go out on a service call and you know, adjust and check the thermostat operation, what would be the value of that? What would be the billing amount for that? And you can go through each one of those tasks, like cleaning the condenser coils. So cleaning the condenser coils, again, energy savings, it could help prevent compre uh, compressor failure and other component com failure as well. And I actually asked them to put that value um out of their flat rate system or their pricing structure and come up with a dollar value for that i did this exercise uh with one of the dealers and we came up with i think it was less than a dozen items and the value of that 
was almost $7,000. Wow. So, yeah. So now what, what are we trying to do here? We're really trying to bridge that gap in, in between the value of what we provide versus the price of the agreement. And then I'll also go through exercises and really just show our team, you know, the cost to perform maintenance and why we need to charge what we need to do. Because I always feel that the better you have trained your team and informed them um, and coached them on, you know, why we do what we do, we want them to buy into it. Then the fears start coming down mm -hmm. because now the team is doing it. And like I said, you know, many times our fears are a lot greater than the reality. But unfortunately, you know, we all get busy in our business and there's not enough time spent in that value building and the training. Because if 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 the team believes in the value of the program, your external clients will as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy, so true. And I, I think it's just kind of human nature for when we're close to something that to not necessarily see all the value that's there and, and going through those exercises that you're talking about with with the team of people that are involved so valuable because then you start to see man we are doing a lot of stuff this is valuable i wanted to ask you are there some other let's step outside hvac for a little bit are there some other industries that maybe do a good job of uh with maintenance and, and presenting it and building the value yeah absolutely you know i think of um the dentist industry you know oh, the dental okay. industry you know they have different types of cleaning that needs to be done we all know what happens if we don't take care of our oral hygiene right mm -hmm. and every time you go to the dentist what do they do they talk to you about making sure that you're flossing and brushing regularly. They'll they'll go through different tests. They'll check, you know, they'll do screenings and different things like that. But before before you leave, what do they do, Matt? Well, you're scheduling your next appointment. I know that. Yeah, exactly. So it's assumed that, well, why wouldn't you take care of your oral hygiene, right? Let's just get your next appointment scheduled. And so I think, you know, the um, that industry does a great job of talking about the importance of maintenance. And then there's also, you know, many dealers, and we've all used this for years, what happens if we don't change the oil in our car? You know, if we don't, we are heating and air conditioning systems operate more hours than the hours we spend driving yet we change the oil in our car regularly so why wouldn't we also maintain the heating and air conditioning system that where over half the energy used in your home in your entire home is used up by your heating and air conditioning system but as an industry, I don't think we spend enough time really talking about why they need to have maintenance. Instead of talking about the dentists do, right? They talk mm -hmm. about, hey, you need to have maintenance. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm bad at flossing. So every time I go to the dentist, they're like, how are you doing on your flossing, Jennifer? And I go, well, I started flossing about a week before my appointment, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, we kind of laugh about it. But the reality is they're always every time they do something, they tell you what you're what at least my dentist 
what they're doing, why you should do it, why you need to have your maintenance done. We can follow that example. And so we need to do more of that in our industry, you know, of educating consumers as why they need to have maintenance on their system and then turn the focus on why they should be part of of your membership program. Right. Um, this makes me think you mentioned the, the car industry. I've got an older vehicle and I used to um, take it to kind of just a small local shop. Um, but a, a couple years ago, I switched to taking it to a dealership. And, and one of the reasons that I've really grown to like doing that in, in spite of, first of all, I know with I've got an older vehicle, I'm going to have maintenance. And pretty much okay. if they recommend something to me, I'm going to do it. But they do a really good job of giving me the why uh, behind it. And it generally, you know, they, they'll, they'll give me the price first because I know they know that's what I'm wanting right away. But then they will say, uh, and here's why we need to do this. Here's why it was recommended. Here's how it's going to benefit you going forward. And 10 times out of 10, by the end of those discussions, I'm like, well, dang, I got to do this, you know, and, and the price is, is much less of a, a thing in my mind. Um, so I, I totally agree with that educational kind of aspect of and of what what we're doing and, and why internally we've got to know that, but also then being able to communicate that to the customer. Absolutely. And I think one of the other challenges is that uh, our industry has gotten into a habit of selling maintenance based on the discount mm -hmm. that a that you might get on a repair that day. And, you know, I mean, in the early years, I, I learned some of that as well. You know, um, hey, do you want to pay this price today or do you want to pay this price today? And a lot of times on the larger repairs with the discount that uh, if you signed up on the maintenance program, you would get a discount and it would pay for half of your maintenance. Well, ironically enough, so now why are why are consumers getting on a program? They're getting on a discount club. They're they're not we're not talking about the reasons why maintenance needs to be performed. And so when I'm coaching and training with um, dealers and technicians and dispatchers, I'm I'm saying do not use that as the reason to get on the maintenance program. Let's talk about the reasons that they need to have maintenance. And then here's the benefits of being on our membership program. And so just trying to kind of reverse that trend in our industry, um, it's kind of like, a, I feel like it's my lifelong commitment now. <laughs> you know, like, no, do not sell them based on, on discount. Let's sell them based on the reason that they need to have maintenance on their system, you know, and just getting them to change their language. Sure, sure. So I'd like to circle back to something we were talking about at the beginning. Um, you know, we've talked in general terms that up, you know, could be up to ninety percent of dealers, at least what you see in a training class, are have underpriced maintenance agreements. Um, why? I wanted to ask you, how do most dealers price their maintenance agreements? What? How do they determine where that number should be? 
That's a great question. And one I often ask myself when, when I am looking at the different pricing structures, but what I'm seeing right now is, um, you know, a lot of them will look at the technician cost or the employee cost to perform the maintenance and they'll just take that cost. It might not even include, um, it might just be their highest, you know, their highest or their average paid technician and they'll multiply that by the amount of times, amount of time to complete the maintenance and then they'll mark it up or use a margin. Um, but yet they don't have all the costs included when they're only using that, or some will do it as a time and material, um, or oftentimes they'll, to be quite frank, they'll look around and say, okay, I need a maintenance agreement program. They'll look at what others are charging in the area and try to be somewhere close, mm -hmm. but not all dealers have the same costs. And so you've really got to look at what your costs are and what your expectations are for profit and build it out from there. Got it. Okay. Well, that gives me some insight on, on how that works. So what, what's the right way to do it? Well, first of all, you know, dealers need to understand what their costs of operation are. So the, um, so you start out by taking your technician wage, generally your highest paid technician wage, loaded. So we call that the direct loaded labor rate. We'll take that direct loaded labor rate, which includes all their benefits and payroll taxes. And then you multiply that. Um, well, you'll add in a SPIF. You'll add in any material costs, then multiply it by your transaction time. So let's say I had a direct loaded labor of $45 and um, I'm going to have, let's say, an hour and a quarter, and that's going to be my time to travel there, talk to the customer, and complete our task list. That's going to give me roughly $56 um, in labor cost. So I'll take that labor cost and I'll add in um, my SPIF. So let's say um, the SPIF is going to be $20 a year, so I'll get half because I'm going to price it out per visit. And then if I'm going to provide a filter and any other miscellaneous costs, that's going to probably run me about, you know, another three to five dollars. So now I've got three to five dollars. Right. So let's say I'm at somewhere between 70 and 75 dollars and then I'll um, apply a margin to that and um, and set that margin. My goal is to be a 60 to 65 percent margin on that maintenance agreement. Okay, so there's there are some definite steps to this and, and kind of breaking it down. Now, am I correct that if someone came to your residential maintenance class, this is one of the things they would learn how to do and really break it down? Is that what happens? Yeah, absolutely. And not only will they learn how to break it down, first they'll understand their cost to performing the maintenance. Um, we'll talk about um, what it is that they do to perform the maintenance, like what are the tasks associated with that? And then we'll look at, you know, um, the option of building out a tiered maintenance agreement program so that they have different offerings based on, you know, different clients wants or needs or the different equipment needs that they'll run across. Okay, let's let's dive into that a little bit, the, the tiered maintenance options um tell me more but um l let's do it this way uh if if i'm a 
uh, dealer and I don't I don't have a maintenance program right now. How many choices should I offer? Um, and then once you answer that, tell me how. Then what what's the goal progression over time? What should they aim for? Well, usually what I ideally we'd like to have four choices in the end. So 10% will purchase your entry level and 10% will purchase your highest level of service. So you're looking at a good, better, best, fantastic, okay? And the balance are going to be in the in the middle. So if there's a, there's so many different ways that you can approach a tiered maintenance agreement program. But usually what I like to do is I'll say, uh, you know, let's start out uh, what a basic maintenance would be. And there's two different approaches to that. If you're in a marketplace, let's say where there's a lot of pressure around price. So we run into an area where there's a lot of, you know, 49.95, 59, 69.95, um, safety checks or maintenance and, um, visits, as they'll call it, then your, your basic maintenance is going to be really scaled down. Um, I like to actually call those more of a maintenance inspection. Um, so that's that trust builder, get our foot in the door. I don't want to do it as a loss leader. However, I'm going to have something that will allow us to compete in that marketplace. So that's kind of your first step. What would you include as your basic maintenance? Then build on it from there. So a lot of times, um, if they don't have a maintenance agreement program, I might start out with two levels, mm -hmm. possibly three. It really depends on how much, um, how complex they want that program to be. I like to keep them simple. You can have four levels of tasking and four levels of different benefits, membership benefits, or you could have two levels of tasking, uh, the services that are being performed with different levels of benefits with your membership program. That is easier to implement than having four levels of maintenance. So, you know, you've really got to kind of look at what you, what it is you want to provide. Um, but you don't have to start out with four right out of the gate. That's um, it really depends on what your approach in that marketplace is going to be. And it's really, honestly, Matt, it's really unique to each dealer. Sure, sure. Well, I think that'll be um, encouraging for for some folks that maybe don't don't have a maintenance program in place. That yeah, the, just get started with with the one option, and then yeah, you can build from there. Um, you know, as it fits your company and in your marketplace. Um, so related to this, I've heard you in some of your classes talk about um, maintenance as a membership. Can you kind of expand on that thought and and what you mean by why you call it a membership and how that's different than maybe just a a plain old agreement you know it's something i started trying to change my language on um membership or club is is something that i think has a better connotation to it versus a service agreement or a contract mm -hmm. and so that's it it just in my mind when i look at it 
it's our membership program. Um, they're part of something. They belong to something. And when you're, uh, if you're a member of something, you get other benefits associated with it. So it's just, uh, it's a language piece that I like to use. It's kind of the same thing as customer versus client. You know, what is it that we're going for? So a lot of people don't want to be in an agreement, you know, or a contract. Um, and even some will um, move away from the term membership. So maybe it's part of your club. It's really something that I ask uh, dealers to dig in on, uh, with their team to get feedback on. Okay, yeah, it's very clear to me the way you presented that of the difference between a, a contract and a club or a membership. I mean, a contract is something you're locked into, you know, and it feels kind of has a more negative connotation. A club or a membership is something you actively want to join and, and, as you said, has extra benefits um, around it. So let me ask you, what are some of those extra benefits? What what do those look like? Um, yeah, so, you know, the, I I look at different levels of it. I mean, some of the common ones are different levels of priority service. So if you're part of our membership program, if you need us for an emergency repair, you know, depending on the level of membership that you chose, it could be, you know, same day or 24 hours. Uh, another one you can consider is a loyalty credit so or loyalty points or something along that line where they would be able to accrue points or dollars towards the replacement of their future um, or replacement of their system or for the purchase of accessories. I like that one a lot. That adds a lot of value. It's also a, a retention tool as well. So for as long as they're on the program, they keep building that. Um, it's not refundable. It doesn't have any cash value, but it's something that, you know, everybody likes to see their points acquire, you know, um, and how they can use those in the future. There are some accounting requirements behind that. So, you know, that's something we talk about in the class as well. Uh, I also like to look at different levels of warranty. So maybe a dealer's standard warranty is 90 days or six months. Well, once you're on a membership program and the different levels of membership, you might have a one, two, or three year repair warranty. So, um, for as long as you're on that agreement. So if we replace a motor or a contactor or an igniter, you would have an extended repair warranty on that. Um, those are just some, uh, you know, a few of the things, um, you know, overtime, no overtime, or maybe Saturday service uh, for your maintenance scheduling. There's a lot of things that you can do. I've seen some really creative um, benefits built out but then you could take those different benefits and then tier them out so i was if you're building a maintenance program from the beginning then i'm like okay where would you want this to go and if we're going to roll out one or two levels what would be the vision of the fourth even if we're not ready to implement the third or fourth what what do you think that fourth level would look like sure yeah, I, I know from just my personal experience as a consumer um, the service priority, that was one of the reasons I bought a, uh, a technically more expensive maintenance uh, membership because I, I was going to get that service priority. And with a couple of kids at home in the wintertime, 
if the furnace went out, you know, I knew I didn't want to sit there, wait a few days to have it, somebody come out and fix it. So, um, yeah, I think those can be very powerful because that's stuff that to me resonates with consumers a lot. Um, not just, Hey, here's what we're going to do when we're out there, but here, here's this other stuff that you can get, uh, different levels. Uh, one other thing we need to circle back on that you brought up is uh, customer versus client. You know, I know that's a very common uh, distinction in inside BDR and in our training classes. We talk about that a lot, but there might be some people listening to uh, the podcast today that, that don't uh, have a background on that. Can you talk about customer versus client and what that means? Yeah, I'll even take it back a little further. Um, this started in a... Um, discussion uh, when I was in a training class with Barry Burnett many years ago and uh, I, I, I had looked up the definition between a customer and a client and brought it up to him and I said well what are we really what do we really want do we want customers or clients and he said well what do you mean hmm. and I said well by definition by definition a customer is somebody that you know they call you up they'll purchase a service from you um but they aren't fully committed a client is somebody that comes back to you they trust you um, they keep coming, they've invested in being one, of, they're looking for your professional services. So when, uh, when we, we want a strong maintenance agreement program, so we build lifetime clients, right? Because those lifetime clients, what will they bring back to us? They bring back a lifetime of referrals. They bring, they help us build a bank of replacement opportunities. So it starts, which provides a consistent workload for our sales and installation team as well. And we start looking at that. One of our leverage to prime metrics is one sales lead for every 10 to 13 uh, repair and maintenance calls. So that means every service technician should be generating oh, somewhere between, you know, eight and 11 sales leads per month. So then we start looking at what else does a lifetime client do? Well, what other industry are, you know, we're in their home two times per year, one, at least once or twice per year. So when we're there, that lifetime client, when they make an investment in you, they come back to you for future purchases. So I think about my own buying habits, right? Mm -hmm. I you know, I don't love to go shopping. I usually have a mission, you know, um, I'd rather be out riding my horse and do other things than spending my time shopping, you know? And so I, you know, if I go, I like to go to the place that either I know they have great service, um, whether I'm shopping for clothes or whether I'm shopping for, um, furniture for our home, or if we're shopping for a new vehicle, I typically shop at the same places. I'm a lifetime client because I'm easy to do business with and I know they'll take care of me. If I have something that didn't fit right, I could take it back. Or if, um, you know, for an example, the person that we buy our vehicles from, you know, he served our whole family for as long as I can remember. He'll, I send him an email. This is what we're looking for. He brings the vehicle, the loan papers or lease papers or whatever, right out to our home, takes the old vehicle back and we're done. A couple emails, I don't have to go set a foot on the car lot. 
that's a lifetime client. They keep coming back to you to purchase. But if we don't lock them into our maintenance agreement program, we can't consistently go back to them and show you show them the value that we bring to them. We take care of their equipment. We talk about the different um, uh, accessories that they can add to their system for air purification or safety in their home or safety in their equipment or the health in their home. And that's the difference between a customer and a client, right? That's what we want to build. And they're not a lifetime client until you get them on your maintenance agreement program and you keep them there. Yeah, boy, I to me, that's like the holy grail. It, once you est establish that client relationship, because that's what all that's what every company is seeking is a reason to get back with a customer another time in the future and establish an ongoing relationship. And I, I, I feel like just my own opinion that our industry, we've missed that a little bit of like, what an amazing opportunity we, we have to go back twice a year and be in a customer's home. And as you said, kind of re-communicate the value we're, we're bringing, re-establish the relationship, um, it's communicate how we're protecting them. Uh, it's just huge and it sets up so many future opportunities, whether it's replacement or, or referrals. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, cool. Maintenance, uh, man, there's a lot of uh, awesome reasons to do it. Let's talk about um, it, once we get our maintenance program or membership program, whatever we want to call it, set up. Um, how, what are what are the benefits of that? What are we've talked a little bit about this customer to client relation? They become clients. We might have some future opportunities. Just lay it all out for me, all the benefits of, of a real successful maintenance program. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we're in their home two times, you know, one to two times per year, right? Mm -hmm. When we're back out there, we have the um, opportunity to offer accessories. So there's a revenue stream for that. Gives us the opportunity to talk about um, future replacement. So let's say the system is 10 years old and it's operating properly. Well, we need to start planting the seed. Hey, their manufacturer warranties start to expire. Um, let them know that. So encourage them to stay focused on their maintenance agreement, you know, or keeping up with their maintenance and the importance of that. Um, and then we start letting them know, hey, you know, as that equipment ages, that they should start planning for replacement. And when they plan for the replacement, they're going to be more likely to come back to you versus being in an emergency replacement situation. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we can help them make the decision. We've built that relationship with them. So we've got the accessories. We've got the relationship to um, replacement. We also have repairs. You know, equipment does break down. It does, um, regardless, you know, they have maintenance-related repairs that need to be done. Capacitors, contactors, um, you know, igniters, things like that. Those are really common. And then as the equipment ages, like you talked about your car, other things will start to fail. We want to be there to take care of them when that happens. And hopefully we can capture that before it is an actual emergency breakdown. And then we circle that back around. So we take care of them. Um, and then 
when it's time to refer them, we refer them to the sales department. But the other side, the other side to that is that if we take great care of that customer or that client, I should say, what are we doing? They're, they're entrusting one of the most expensive appliances in their home to us. So when asked about, hey, who do you use for your heating and air conditioning? Or they hear about somebody that's having a problem with their system, who are they gonna talk about? So now we generate that referral as, as well. So, and that circle just continues, right? So eventually get that referral or we refer them to replace the equipment. We lock them back into their maintenance agreement program and the cycle continues. Uh, I love that that word, the circle or cycle. Uh, it makes me think of the Lion King. The, the circle of life happens, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great, great way to visualize this. And it really encompasses all the great stuff that can happen if we get um, our, our customers on our, on a maintenance program and they become clients. And man, yeah, it just creates a lot of, a lot of life for the company. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, we've covered a lot of ground, Jennifer. I feel like um, people may have listened to this podcast and, and uh, they're going to definitely want to be coming to attend your residential maintenance class uh, because there is a lot to this. Um, before we go, is there kind of any final thoughts you would uh, want to say share about maintenance? I think we should do another podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, because now once we have, you know, that we've built our program and we've priced it properly, the back end, end of it is we've got to manage it properly because you, you know, we spend all this time and effort um you know building the program and talking about it is like what's the next step well do we have all the management pieces in order to provide that high value of service you know from geographic scheduling to making sure that we're looking at how many maintenance we agreements we need for the size service department we have i mean i feel like you know we've only scratched the surface you know with with things we know how important maintenance is but now once once we have a, how do we maintain that 95 percent or higher retention rate of that lifetime client because that's the next step in the process hey we got them how do we keep them right and so you know just retaining our existing maintenance customers but you know most of all i i think most people understand the importance of having maintenance but when you really start penciling it out um, maintenance is a complex side of the service department to manage and so you've got to have a good structure in place for that and make sure that we're taking excellent care of them yeah absolutely there's there's a few podcasts in our future on uh, some of that and and retention certainly would be a great topic so Thank you so much, uh, Jennifer. This was a lot of fun. I think you've given a lot of great information to our listeners here today on uh, overcoming maintenance pricing fears uh, and, and really so much more. Well, thank you, Matt. It was a lot of fun until we do it again. Yeah, well, uh, thanks, Jennifer. And for our listeners, uh, until next time, thank you for listening to the Prime Resources Podcast. <laughs>